I don't think I've ever in my whole life watched a movie where I cried harder. I, I ugly bawled. Because it had a lot of outrage from people who, of course, hadn't seen it yet. Right. It's a tricky story, the way they've told it. See, I got through the whole thing without saying, so hot right now. <laughs> Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast. We're back on Facebook Live. Yes, we are. That should be fun. We're looking forward to some great, some great comments. Some very intelligent, insightful, not smart mouth comments at all. <laughs> I don't think you know our audience. <laughs> but uh, welcome, as we are going to talk about the best so far in 2020, because this hit us a few weeks ago when we realized, oh my Lord, we're almost to the halfway point. And it's funny because when we first talked about it, we thought, oh, it hasn't been a very good year. But then we dug into it and found some good stuff. Yeah, we actually thought about not doing this topic yeah. at all because, you know, the theater's closing and uh, all of the big ones got moved. That made us wonder if there was going to be anything worth talking about. And then we looked into it and there really were. And I think one of the reasons to do this is that uh, I think a lot of people might have missed them. Yeah. Yeah, that is definitely true. And uh, by the way, if I didn't say, she's Hope Madden. <gasps> He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. Glad you're here for Fright Club Live as we count down the best of the year so far. And yeah, there were a lot you could call small movies, and yeah. especially with the theaters still not being open. It might be easier for a lot of things to to fall through the cracks, yeah. but there's definitely some good stuff. Yeah, there. actually, it's almost exclusively small movies because um, any of the, you know, like Quiet Place sequel, any of the sort of really big Hollywood horror movies, they've just bumped. There were a couple that came out early that weren't very good, that were pretty bad, actually. But then there were a couple that hit the theaters early that we will still remember a little bit in this. But mainly what we're going to talk about are films, very small independent films that were released directly to uh, streaming. Yeah. Yeah, because that's sort of how the year went yeah. and it's still going. But first of all, first off, we want to say a big thank you to Samantha Kuljesnik, yes. who was our, our guest last time as we talked about grief in horror and found some really good stuff. And as we knew, as we knew she would, she brought a lot of great insight, especially because at least a couple of those movies she had just watched the day before. Right. So it was very fresh. Very fresh for her. And, and she, she did. She had some great insight into it. And if you don't, no, if you didn't listen to the podcast, she, um, besides being a filmmaker, she just a couple of months ago released her first novella, and it's called True Crime, yeah. and it's amazing, and you should look it up. Grindhouse Press. It's really, really good. Dark. It's dark. <laughs> it is. It's dark. Yeah. Yeah, but good stuff. So thank you. And, and we uh, did get some good feedback on that, and it's funny. One of the people, Rachel Willis, our own Rachel Willis, who writes for us at MadWolf.com, uh, she, her only uh, quibble is that she would have put Nightingale higher on the list because she said she was just racked with sobs when that movie was over. That is a tough one. It is a tough one, but so well done. And it is, it really wears you out it does. by the end of it. But it pretty much, it had to be on there. It was, it's so, grief is so much a part of it. It has, it has other themes as well, as you very rightly pointed out. Right. But grief is a big one. Yeah, it is. And then there were a couple of other comments of, of films that people would have liked us to at least touch on. Jen Drenfel. Uh, she thought that maybe um, Pet Cemetery could have been a runner-up. That's true. That whole film is really driven by, you know, a uh, parent's grief. And really sort of generational, how, how that affects everybody, grief. Mm -hmm. which is, so that's a good thought. Seth and Darren both thought that Pan's Labyrinth deserved to be considered, which I thought was very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, that's an interesting idea. And then Monty thought that the movie The Monster, he said, was very grievy. And I like that idea because I think it circles back to what 
Samantha said about you, you don't have to grieve what you've lost. You can grieve what you've never had. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, you know, that that film, The Monster, really does that, particularly for the little girl. She just really never had a proper parent. And also, I think both of us, when Monty said The Monster, both of us immediately thought of A Monster Calls, yes. which is not a horror movie, but it is so sad. It is. And, it's, and it will it's rip very your driven, heart out. It is. It's driven by grief. And I, I don't think I've ever in my whole life watched a movie where I cried harder. I, I ugly bawled but the it's whole But it's a beautiful time. movie. It is. It really, not, not is. a horror movie. No, but, there's man. a monster in it. But <laughs> yeah. um, it's not, it's Liam not a Neeson movie. voice monster. That's right. But a beautiful movie. But no, those are, uh, those are good. Good comments. And thanks to, to all the comments for that. Also, we want to thank Jamie and the gang from Fave 5 from Fans Podcast. They gave us a... A really nice shout out in their latest, really interesting podcast episode. Yeah, Jamie, if you don't listen to it, Fave Five from Fans, Jamie has a different co-host on every time, and they they talk about sort of their each of their five favorite of something. Doesn't have to be a movie, doesn't have to be a horror movie. And in this last podcast, it was John Carpenter films, and his co-host had actually he he had drawn a comic book series, an official Snake Plissken comic book series, and so has worked with John Carpenter and had a ton. Of incredibly nutty stories to share. <laughs> so that was that was really great. But then the other thing I realized when I was looking that up, when I was listening to that, is that somehow we missed one, a fairly recent one, I think, but still we missed it, where Jamie's co-hosts are our friends, Phantom, Dark Dave, and Jen Dreadball. And I don't know how we missed that, but we will rectify that situation. I know I will probably when I run tomorrow. So Yeah, it was great because one of the, the basic rules of interviewing, anytime you have a, a good guest on, you want to get out of there with at least one good story. Oh, yeah, he has a ton. And they got he has a, a ton. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of good stories. So thank you for all bed, that. Bed, bath, and beyond. There's a great, you're like, what? No, they have a great bed, bath, and beyond story. They do. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of star power. <laughs> Going on in Bed, Bath, and Beyond. Spoiler alert, Adrian Barbo. It's true. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. That's right. Adrian Barbo. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for all that, for the shout-outs and, uh, and the uh, response right. to the last podcast. So but that brings us up to now. We're the middle of July. Holy moly, so much bad stuff going on. Let's focus on the good stuff and the first six months of 2020. And it's weird because with all the the bad of just the year in general, it's almost like you want to just fast forward. Let's get this year over yes. with and hopefully move on. But we're going to look back because we did find a bunch of good stuff on the horror movie front. And um, we'll start out before we actually get to the top five. There were a bunch that just deserve mentioning, right. I think, starting with Color Out of Space, yeah, which was Nicolas Cage meeting up with right. Lovecraft, which it had to happen. It's <laughs> It's the love match that had to happen. And I think if you've listened to this podcast before, you know we're not the biggest Lovecraft, Lovecraft fans, fans no. in the world. No. But this one was one of my favorite renderings of Lovecraft because yeah. we have said it's tough because it's monsters and it's hard to bring them to life in a good a good way that translates on screen, but they do it well here. Yeah, I think there are a lot of really good horror films that are sort of reminiscent of Lovecraftian you know, more than outright versions of his writings. And this, because because the way he writes, he's always talking about it. it's a sound you can't possibly describe. Right. It's a color you've never seen before, which is hard to do when you would actually see and hear. And I think that this movie does it incredibly well. And of course, Nicolas Cage, who's nutty. And that's always super fun. So that was a fun one. I, we also want to mention The Droving. It's an independent British horror film that came out this year. And we got a chance to talk to the director, yeah. George Popoff, yeah. who was great. 
and we really enjoyed this movie. It was really well put together. It looked incredible, which I think uh, he's only two movies in, but I think that that's something uh, that's sort of his calling card now yeah. is the way he uses natural light and settings. The Very performances much. are great. And and uh, and so we really highly recommend if you haven't got a chance to see the droving that you look that one up. Yeah, and he was great uh, on the podcast. He was. He, he just dove right in. He, he watched all the movies. Actually, he watched <laughs> some that really he didn't have to yeah. just to get some backstory. And he was great. So. Yeah, definitely check out The Droving. Also, Come to Daddy. Yeah, Frodo Baggins gets nutty in this one. <laughs> this is fun. I love so many people in this cast that I just really always love in everything. It took some weird turns. Mm -hmm. um, and I was talking to my sister about this about this movie because when Elijah Wood, if you were to run into Elijah Wood in real life, it would be hard not to go, yeah, you have the biggest eyes that I have ever seen. And it's funny because people actually mention it like three times in this movie. They say... Well, you have really big eyes, which I appreciate because we always talk about that when The Rock is in a movie. And if he's not playing like a, a gargantuan human being, he's just playing like somebody's dad. You're like, no way. Somebody would have to go, damn, you're huge. <laughs> so that's a tangent about Come to Daddy. But I enjoyed that movie. It was weird, but really, I thought, a lot of fun. Another one that I'm really surprised didn't make the overall list here because you just went on and on about Blood Quantum. You know, actually, that if we had done fuzzy math, Blood Quantum would have been number six. Mm -hmm. um, it was so much better than I anticipated. It was clearly a very low budget film. It felt very uh, a time stamp was felt very authentic, and I thought that it did a, an incredible job of telling a story that sometimes you think to yourself, "Who's going to tell you anything interesting about zombies?" But it really, really did. I loved, yeah, I did. I loved Blood Quantum, and that was a Shutter original. As we've mentioned here recently, I think Shutter originals have been on the uptick yeah. here the last few weeks yeah, anyway. I think so too. Um, they've had some some ones that were definitely worth checking out. Um, also, Why Don't You Just Die, which we talked about a few times here <laughs> on our, our different podcasts because it's even more effective when you think about everything that happens is just in one room. Yeah, it really is. It, I mean, it's an action movie. Yeah. And it's action-packed. And they <laughs> never leave this man's apartment, which is just insane. It's, I mean, it almost the entire film is shot inside, uh, inside the living room of one apartment. It's not a horror movie. It's an action movie that's incredibly, tremendously violent and bloody. So it's definitely a genre picture. But since it is not horror, it didn't make the final list. But um, in endlessly fun to watch is why don't you just die exclamation point mm -hmm. <laughs> and also one more and this might have been mine if it was fuzzy math uh, or or even if we could have done a 5b or whatever <laughs> but the hunt yeah i really really enjoyed and this one if you remember this was right on it came out i think the week the of week. lockdown yeah and it just suffered that way because it it had a lot of buzz because it had a lot of outrage from people who, of course, hadn't seen it yet. Right. But then the lockdown hit, and it really it well. It it's funny because recovered. it suffered twice. Yeah. Because it was supposed to have been released several months before that, but it was scrapped by the studio because of an open shooter, one of the many from 2020, 2019, excuse me, mm. um, situations. They decided it was too violent to release, which. I, I, you know, it, it came out, I mean, the Rambo Last Blood came out that same week. So I don't, I don't believe that was really the reason they scrapped it. And it's funny because it, it's a very polarizing film, I think, because of, first of all, um, uh, sort of the hard right folks didn't want to see it because they didn't want to see conservatives being victimized in this way, made out to seem like they're stupid. Uh, but liberals didn't like it either because the movie does not take sides. It makes both sides out to be sort of equally idiotic in the way that they are focusing on just competing with one another 
and not on being good human beings. And at this, and and in doing that, they're basically serving a different purpose, which is to say the uh, people with a lot of money get away with a lot of shit, and everybody who doesn't have money is just fighting amongst themselves. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It it reveled in its B movie exploitative nature. Yeah. Uh, Betty Gilpin was freaking. She great. was great. She was so good. Yeah. So I was really sorry to see that one kind of get passed over a little bit. That yeah. was good and bloody too, and it threw you some curveballs because. Without spoiling anything, there were some people in the cast that you thought would live longer than they did. <laughs> and anytime that happens, like, oh, so now we, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. So uh, really enjoyed the hunt. So all of those are worth checking out, a bunch of them. Yeah. Just goes to show you how many we did find yeah. once we got into this and started looking at the, the first half of 2020. But let's get to it, the ones that actually made our top five. And uh, this first one is from, obviously, I'm, I'm used to saying from what year they're from. <laughs> Duh, they're all from this year. And it's uh, Lee Wanell's remake of, or reimagining, yeah. of The Invisible Man. What happened to him? He cut his wrist. Per his final wishes, you're getting $5 million. Contingent, of course, on the fine print. He can't be ruled to be mentally incompetent. It just doesn't make any sense. What? Adrian wouldn't kill himself. Listen, you're getting your freedom back, okay? Don't let him haunt you. Hello? He said that wherever I went, he would find me. Walk right up to me, and I wouldn't be able to see him. I went to his house today. He's not dead. I'm not crazy. Talk about a, a B-movie, you know, something that really embraces its sort of B-movie history. This one really does, and it is elevated in every single scene by the absolutely magnificent Elizabeth Moss. Well, on that vein, Juanel uh, was quoted as saying that he has worked with some extremely talented actors before, but, quote, working with Elizabeth Moss was just a revelation. She can do anything. Yeah, that well, and, we've been saying that for I don't know how long. Yes, and one of the main things we said, and one of the things that struck us when we saw the movie was how it starts out knowing that she is a, a battered partner, but you never see it. It's only through her performance mm -hmm. that you believe it. Yeah. And Juanel has said that was only possible because of how good she is right. at conveying emotions without dialogue. Yeah. And you, you totally believe it. Yeah, and if you, you do. don't believe it, then that wrecks the whole movie. You yeah. have to believe she has that history, even though you're just dropped in yeah, the middle of Yeah, you can it. see her. She's broken. Yeah. She has PTSD. She's broken. She's, you know, she's afraid of everything. She she distrusts her, her own thoughts and decision-making. And, uh, yeah, her, her performance is absolutely stunning. And one of the movies that we're not going to talk about today, actually, is Shirley, which, you mm. know, I've seen has made a lot of other people's similar lists. But, um, you know, it, it's, it is a great movie. It made our list of the best films of 2020, right. the first half of 2020. But I don't consider, I don't consider Shirley Jackson a horror writer. And I definitely don't consider the film Shirley no, a horror not film. At all, not, not at all. all. So that's no. the only reason. I mean, otherwise, it, it would definitely be on here because we both loved it. Yeah. And recommend it highly, but it's just not a horror movie And it's at all. great. The, the reimagining of this is great. The way that they turn it into a, for lack of a better phrase, Me Too type of moment mm -hmm. in making the Invisible Man is really not the main character here. Right. Uh, she is. Mm -hmm. And her her journey, her arc, her her revenge, and there's a mystery too. Mm -hmm. Obviously, mm -hmm. how how he is turning invisible, which we, I really yeah. liked. Agreed. I, Agreed. I, I really liked, and I also found out. I I don't know this. I'm, I didn't know that much about biology, but for people that do, one of the sticking points of the original 
the original movie was that biologically speaking, if all the cells in a person were see-through, then you would not be able to see. So in this case, because it's a suit, <laughs> it solves that. Yeah, that wasn't bothering us. On the, <laughs> no, <laughs> but, it really uh, wasn't. But I'm glad. I'm glad they cleared that up. Uh, yeah, you know, one of the things but, that I think, you know, I mean, it's not as if the Invisible Man has been made 300 times. You know, yeah. what I mean, if you're going to make a Dracula film, for example, which they are going to do, that's tough to do and find a new a new avenue. You know, but but even so, even though we haven't seen the Invisible Man all that many times, when you do see it, of course, you just focus on. The, the man and, and how you lose who you are as a human being if you don't see yourself and what how you could become morally bankrupt and do things you shouldn't do and blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of tedium and tiresome by this point. I did. I loved I loved this approach to it. I did. Um, I and, did too. And of course, but again, I mean, it doesn't work without Elizabeth Moss. And it had some good visuals to it. It also had some good jump scares, which I know how, are few and far between I know, for me. You're v- quite it a did. stickler about One really good one. Yeah. And also... To be fair, it did have some logic. Leaps. Some did. leaps. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Some leaps of logic. But in the end, it was so much fun yeah. and so refreshing, refreshingly new take on one of these classic monsters that, that we just loved it. And yeah, Elizabeth Moss just puts it over the, over the top because she is phenomenal. Push over the cliff. Over the cliff. And that is number five on our list of the best horror so far this year. Moving up to number four, this is one of those smaller ones yeah. that might have slipped through for a lot of people, but so effective. It's a girl born into an all-female cult led by a man in their compound, beginning to question his teachings and her own reality. This one's called The Other Lamb. Let us pray. My wives, you all came to me broken by a cruel world. I took every one of you in. I sacrificed my life for you. I gave you daughters and sisterhood and life. Let us reflect on our blessings. Yes, yes. my shepherd. You think that because you haven't had your time yet, that makes you special. Prepare yourself, child. Our great shepherd won't be so sweet on you then. I'll be seeing you when the blood comes to you. <laughs> this was a mesmerizing movie and, and very, very unlike anything I've seen uh, in, in a really, really long time, if ever. It was so poetically filmed. Mm-hmm. It was so beautifully filmed and it just dropped you into a fully existing world that is outside of your own world. I mean, they didn't take a, there wasn't a lot of exposition. They didn't take a lot of time to explain to you what was going on here, but you knew that there was a guy they called Shepherd, and, and then there was just these rings of females of differing ages. You know, you pretty quickly figured out what was going on there. And it was, um, uh, it's really, it's a coming of age tale is what it is. And it's a movie that looks at how awkward it can be for a female to come of age for you know your first menstrual period for every awkward thing and the movie says own it own it don't let somebody else tell you what it's supposed to be like don't feel any shame about it this is you be you and it does it without preaching or without sort of beating you about the head with it um and it's it's violent when it needs to be it is ugly and mean when it needs to be it's gorgeous uh, it really is end. we should i'm i'm gonna butcher the name of this director unless you want to take a, a stab at it magrazada Smuzowska. All right, we're going to go with that. Uh, working again with a cinematographer, Michael Endlert. They worked yes. together before. It does. It so looks. She's a Polish filmmaker. She's made a lot of movies. I think this might be her first English language film. And it, it, it does. It looks fantastic. It's spellbinding from the beginning. You feel like you're in a, certainly another, not maybe another world, but another place yeah. in the world. Yeah. Very, very remote. They're, they're a cult. They're off by themselves and following this shepherd. And it's a, 
it's a slow burn that leads you somewhere in a way you think you know where it's going but you probably don't no but when yeah. you, you get there it's really satisfying in a very oh my sort of way yeah, yeah. very yes. satisfying yeah yeah that's a great because that's exactly how I felt about it there you know it comes to certain points in the film where they could go one way or the other and where most films you've seen would go one way and they go the other and in the end it's like well you you, you think of yourself well you've painted yourself in a corner because there's no way you can oh Oh, and I, I and I agree. I think satisfying is exactly what it is. And we have to mention the lead performance, Raffi Cassidy. Raffi Cassidy, you may have seen in Vox Lux right. or Killing, Killing of a Sacred, Sacred Deer. Deer. She's great. She is great, and she's she's so stunning. She's so beautiful. And this movie also asks her, lets her sort of be monstrous at times, and it really goes back and forth between this. Because she really is. She's just a stunning sort of exquisite beauty. But then for her to, to just sort of oscillate between that and, and this rage and the sort of monstrousness that comes with it. It's just, it's a fascinating movie. It really is. The Other Lamb. And that takes us up to number three, best of the year so far on Fright Club Live. And this is a long time ago in a distant fairy tale countryside. A young girl leads her little brother into a dark wood in desperate search of food and work, only to stumble upon a nexus of terrifying evil, Gretel and Hansel. Tell me the fairy tale again. It's too scary, you know, start seeing things that aren't there. I'm hungry. I'm hungrier than you are. Because you're a pig. Look! It smells of cake! Careful with that, dear. I'd hate for you to start something you can't stop. Please make your acquaintance. I'm called Gretel, and this rough one here is my brother Hansel. There's something wrong here. But it's so pleasant. Where are all the animals? From where does she draw milk? <laughs> Now, I saw this first, and you saw it after. Yeah. What did you think? I really loved it. I had heard, well, I knew Oz Perkins mm -hmm. was the the director, and I'd seen his work before, and I just kept hearing from you and other people mm -hmm. about what a visual wonder it yeah. is. And, yeah. boy, it did not disappoint no. in that way. Uh, it's so gorgeous visually. And, well, to be frank, I had heard a lot about it. You're right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but right. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed it. It was satisfying in the way that, again, sort of in a similar way that Invisible Man takes a new twist on an old yeah, story. sure. This is, of course, a classic fairy tale, right. but it's certainly a new twist because, obviously, putting Gretel sure. is in the first position, it's her story. Right. And he changes Osgood Perkins' changes the ages a little bit yeah. of the kids to make it even more of the fact that she's in charge. She, Gretel, is almost like a mother figure in a certain way, leading him along, and then is she hampering, is he hampering her moving forward and coming of age? Yeah. And then, of course, they come upon the witch. And I, yeah, I thought it was fascinating. A small cast, um, well done all around yeah. and, and visually glorious. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, Oz Perkins, he, he really does have a way with visual storytelling, as we know from The Black Coat's Daughter in particular. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, to a lesser degree, uh, I'm the pretty thing that lives in the house. He didn't write this one, but again, I think he finds, he just casts a spell. And that is so effective for this particular movie, for the trickly kind 
of movie. I was really surprised, to be honest with you. It it shocked me in watching it that two men, at three really, if you count the cinematographer, mm. were responsible for this. The writer, director, and the and the the, the person who lends the film because because it is a feminist film. Yeah, Rob um, Rob Hayes is yeah, the writer. Is the writer, and it is a coming of age story. And Sophia Lilith from It, yeah, she plays Gretel. She's great. She is great. It's a tricky story the way they've told it. And I thought that they made some really risky narrative decisions that I was all for. I thought it was just just really fascinating and mm-hmm. spooky. It was spooky all the way throughout. Very spooky. And got to give a shout out to Alice Krieg. Who, oh, my who God. Plays, yes. <laughs> who plays the witch because she is spooky and menacing. And what's great is as she's being so nice and so welcoming, you know, it's not right. And Gretel knows it's not right. And you can tell it's slowly dawning on her. Of course, of course, uh, Hansel is all about it, right? Because he has every all everything he wants to eat, right? Uh, but she, Gretel, knows something's not right here. But it it's also, I think, the slow shift as the two children kind of switch places mm-hmm. is really uh, was really sort of incredibly creepy. I found it really very, very creepy. I love the payoff. Yeah, uh, I love the way it works out. I love Alice Krieg's cheekbones. <laughs> you know, she's so Cut great. glass, won't they? I know. She's so great in this. And I think, to me, I mean, it let me down just slightly in the very last scene where there's kind of a, a disconnect between the tone of the voiceover and the tone of, of what we're seeing on screen. And I don't know if it just flew over my head or if I thought that they hadn't really sort of made a decision that they needed to make artistically. I don't know. But that's really, I think, the only place in the film that I was let down. I thought it was really satisfying. And again, Mark's Oz Perkins, that's three now working as a genre filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And if he's going to stay there, that's fine. Yeah. But it's, it's he's one of those where I want to see where he's going. Yep. Uh, will he get back to writing? I imagine he will. But this one tells a, a great story, a new twist on a great story. Yeah. So uh, Gretel and Hansel. And see, I got through the whole thing without saying, so hot right now. <laughs> You didn't, though, because... (laughs) No, I did. You didn't. He didn't. (laughs) That's number three (laughs) on our list. But but it is hot right now. It was like 90 today. It is hot right Uh, now. So (laughs) moving up to number two, (laughs) a soon-to-be stepmom is snowed in with her fiancé's two children at a remote holiday village. Just as relations begin to thaw between the trio, some strange and frightening events take place. This is The Lodge. How would you feel about going to the mountains for Christmas? With Grace. She really wants to get to know you guys. You okay? I don't want to leave you here with the kids if you're not feeling up to it. Uh, I'm feeling fine. It was my idea and it's a couple days. I can do a couple days. What is that? It's Grace. Everyone committed suicide except for her. Repent and you will find salvation. Guys! Things are very uncomfortable between us and we're stuck in a house together what is this the power's out where are my things it makes no sense what i heard something The Lodge is one we got to see last year at Nightmares Film Festival yes. it was one we had really been looking forward yes. to and it really, it didn't let us down. It was, it was great. Yeah. Um, it, boy, as much as sometimes, and you know this, if it's not wintertime and I see a movie with a bunch <laughs> snow. of snow. You get all like, mad. <laughs> <laughs> and it was October, so we were getting there. That's right. But, uh, boy, it's, it creates that great sense of 
of helplessness, of they're not going anywhere. Yeah. And of course, that becomes more important as the story goes on. But it also gives us a totally clueless dude. Oh my God. As you're far not as, kidding. hey, let's all get together and share a nice family moment. This guy. What an idiot. I, I know it, it has to happen because it propels the story, but yeah, I bet kids, you'll love to spend some time with your soon to be stepmom. Yeah. No, they won't. No, no. The, the dumbest, the most clueless dad ever. Idiot. So, and then he just takes off. <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? Nothing good. Um, but it's the follow-up from Severin Fiala and Veronica Franz who did Goodnight Mommy. Yeah. And so I think more than anything, that's what I was looking forward to. I just wanted to see where they were going to go with this. Uh, but uh, but also the cast is great, right? So Riley Keough, who's just riding high, she has done, I don't think she's done any bad work. She's been in a couple movies that work great, but she seems to always be great in them. And by the way, we should mention, we just heard Riley Keough's brother yeah. just passed away, apparently of suicide, yeah. just terrible. So that... Uh, kind of felt like I had to mention it. So yeah. that's just a horrible situation because their father is also in this movie. Yes. Uh, the small, he, small part, Dan, yeah. Danny Keogh. Yeah, Danny Keogh is in the movie as the um, the cult leader in the sort of um, videotape flashbacks. But anyway. So it's not just her, though. Also, Jaden Martell. Oh, yes. From It and yes. from just a thousand other movies. So great. He looks just like our next door neighbor, Everest. So <laughs> I have had a soft spot for this boy since he was he very does. small. He really does. I love him so much. But it, it helps that he's always really good in everything. He's and He's really good. He's so good in this movie. He's really the, the conscience at the center of this film. And he's so torn. But one of the things that I appreciated about the film is that it's an isolated winter death movie. And so... They embrace that. They you know? do. They, they embrace really that. They, do. They, they, they make it clear. They're like, we know what came before us. We know you're thinking about The Shining and you're thinking about it or The Thing, excuse me, and you're thinking about all these other white death movies. And so are they. Yeah. Because one of the movies watched by the, the trio, The Thing. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the uh, dog's name is Grady. Right. So, yeah, they know it. Oh, yeah. You're thinking it. They're mm -hmm. thinking it. Let's, mm -hmm. just, let's just own it. And uh, it, it delivers because of the, the dread, the slow dread that you feel. And also, it also it has some of that what's real and what's not yeah, it about does. it. But it doesn't. It's not lazy about it. No, which movies can be, I think. Yeah, especially with the oh, I just woke up from a dream. Oh, we hate that. I've seen a lot of that lately. Yeah. I just I watched another movie uh, last night that had it in yeah. it. So enough of that. But there's not <laughs> there's not that fallback that get out of jail free card. Here. No, it builds to some climactic moments that really feel like a slap you know I mean I think partly because of the age of a lot of the people involved in the story you know partly I mean I just really think you might be expecting it to take a different turn than it does mm -hmm. and it it delivers uh it delivers on a, a really dreadful promise yeah and if you remember headlines from years ago you'll probably notice that there's a there's a cult involved here in uh, Grace's Riley Keough's character's past that's probably based on the the uh, cult of Heaven's Gate from years ago, but uh, we're certainly not going to spoil anything for anybody that, that didn't see the movie, but uh, we really thought it was effective. Yes. Uh, and definitely worth checking out. The Lodge, number two right. on our list of best horror of half the year. And that brings us up to number one. This is another one that we saw at, at Night Nightmares, Nightmares Film, Film Festival. Festival. I'll I tell know. you what, people. They know Mark, what they're doing. Put it on your calendar. They mm. do. This one, a newly pregnant housewife finds herself increasingly compelled to consume dangerous objects. As her husband and his family tighten their control over her life, she must confront the dark secret behind her new obsession. It's called Swallow. So what did you do for money before you met my son? Retail. 
Mostly. A lucky break. I'm just real grateful. How does it make you feel when you swallow something? I just like the textures in my mouth. Textures in my mouth. It made me feel in control. In control. I just wanted to make you happy. something unexpected today. This is another movie that I couldn't believe, to be honest with you, was written and directed by a man. Yeah. Hats off to you. Yeah, but also hats off to Haley Bennett, who oh. is, she's the, the lead here, but she also is an executive producer yeah. here, and I think had a lot to do with getting this thing to the screen. But you're right about the, the, uh, the, the male involved, but she drives the film. Her performance is fantastic. It is. She makes you... Even though as you're, you're very curious about why is she doing this? And it's a real affliction, I guess. It's either called pica or pica. I don't know, so I'll say both. Yeah. Of swallowing these weird objects. Yeah. But she, she makes her character sympathetic. Yeah. At the same time, you just, you just can't believe she's doing it. But then as it becomes a battle of control of yeah. her life, it's, it's resonant in that way in, in terms of taking control of her own life in many different ways because right. of the predicament that she's in with her husband and, and her husband's family. Right. So it's Carlo Mirabella Davis is the writer-director who did this. I think that uh, besides the really powerful story that he's telling and the tremendous, tremendous performance that Bennett delivers, the film has such an eerily perfect look about it, especially, you know, like the first half of the film when she's sort of nesting and being a homemaker mm. You know, and she's uh, so lucky. She, uh, she's so lucky. She feels she really keeps blessed. Saying, really she blessed. Feels really blessed. Hashtag blessed. Yeah, it's um the way it looks. You know, in a lot of in a lot of cases, it looks like a uh, it looks like a, a Hitchcock film. Mm -hmm. And I think, oh yeah, rightfully so. Although in a lot of ways, what it does is turn sort of the idea of his perfect blonde on ear. Right. I mean, it really subverts that notion, and it puts all of the agency with her. It takes her a while to figure out what the she should be doing with this agency because swallowing thumbtacks isn't a great idea. But it's such it's such a powerful, evocative notion that that's what she's doing, particularly right now at this moment in her life that she's that this is how she takes control of her life. And that she you know, there's a scene in the movie where she kind of applauds herself quietly to her husband. I, I did something different today and I'm pretty proud of myself. And then he was like, what did you do? And she couldn't say she's like, I bought new blinds. It's such a unnerving film, much more than it is a horror movie. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Hitchcock, Hitchcock though, because specifically I would say Marnie. Yeah. Uh, if you remember Marnie and a, a different way of, of treating the quote-unquote hysterical yeah, woman. right. Uh, really came to mind in, in watching this movie. And you're right, I, I love that scene, and I love the evolution of her husband and so his, his true nature coming out yeah. farther and farther down the line. And, of course, the more that they t try to tighten their control over her, both her husband and uh, her husband's parents, the more she slips away and the more she has to do anything to control her own life. Yeah. And it's fascinating. It's a fascinating study. Yes, maybe not horrific in the way, it's certainly not a slasher movie or anything, movie or anything like that, but there's horrific things involved yeah. in it's, it. Yeah, it's so unnerving. Very um, unnerving, It's yes. so unnerving. And, and, and it's another one where I, I really think the payoff I found to be very satisfying. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and that's why it's number one, Swallow, number one for half the year. 
for horror in 2020. So uh, we we know there are some long-awaited horror movies in the pipeline right. for the rest of the year. Whether they get here or not, that's yeah, it remains that to be remains, seen. To, remains be seen. to be seen. So what we're going to have for the rest of the year, who knows? Oh, indeed. We've, we've got some that we hope so. We've got some that we just heard about today might be pushed to 2021, but that's not... That's not in stone yet either. So we just don't know, but hopefully we'll have some more good stuff and yeah. have a brand new uh, top five or, or more by the end of the year. But that's it for half the year. So I wish I could say I knew what you thought. But I still couldn't figure out these comments. <laughs> and I, you know, <laughs> I know you're laughing. Um, usually it hasn't it hasn't done this before. Usually I see the comments just fine. Uh, but I didn't this time. So I, I know they're great, but we just didn't get a chance <laughs> to uh, to see them tonight. But thank you so much for, for stopping by and for being a part of it as always. But we look ahead. We've already got the next Fright Club podcast set with a special guest, and this should be fun. Yes, I think it will be a fun one. Uh, Katie Glidewell, also known as the Blonde in Front, she's going to join us, and we are going to count down a mess of... Blondes in horror. What else? We're, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of blondes in horror. What else are we going to talk about with the blonde in front? That's but right. Blondes in horror. And yeah, there's a bunch to talk about. There so are. that'll be tough yes. to narrow down. So that'll be uh, the next in-studio Fright Club. Still, as far as Fright Club Live for the August edition, don't know. Of course, we certainly hope to be back in front of a live audience at Gateway Film Center, but we just have no idea. So we'll keep you updated. We do have a backup plan if we can't get in. Because the thing is, if we do get in, we don't know which film Chris Hamill is going to be able to get at a right. short notice. So we still can't right. tell you what the podcast is going to be. However, if they're not open in time, we know what podcast we're going to do uh, on Fright Club Live, probably Facebook Live again, is Sound Design. Ooh. It's my gift to you, my love. <laughs> nice. We're going to do the best sound design in horror. Love that. And hopefully, if we are in Facebook Live, I will have figured out the comments. <laughs> they might have. Was there, an, was there an update? I didn't get the memo. <laughs> Something happened. A new button. In this, I can't be to blame. I only do Twitter. <laughs> this is so, not my bag. Sound design, though. That'll be fantastic. I know. Cannot I know. wait I know. to dig into that. And of course, we'd love your suggestions uh, mm-hmm. for any of these. Especially uh, you, Katie, because you seem to have the best ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pine Joe, specifically. The rest of you, whatever. But exactly. Pine Joe. <laughs> keep them coming, as always. Best way to uh, keep the conversation going with us, as always. On Twitter, we're at Fright Club Pod. Also on Facebook, with comments sometimes. <laughs> And Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website where you can get all of our written reviews. Our other weekly podcast on all the new releases, regardless of genre, called The Screening Room. That's all at madwolf.com. So, again, thanks so much. I've seen some great numbers pop up as far as who was stopping by and being a part of this. Can't thank you enough. Love it. Love doing it. You know what, though? We want us to thank Seth again because you do such a nice job of promoting us for us. He does. I know. He's awesome. Yeah, that is. Thank you, Seth. Really, really, uh, really appreciate that. You always help us get the word out which is much, much appreciated. So until next time, thanks again for stopping by. She is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And stay frightful, my friends.